Welcome back to Fad Dads. What better way to start it off than talking about Rings of Power? All right, where would you uh, like to start? Well, um, Nathaniel, I think you've got a little bit more to put on it than I do. I personally liking more of it didn't have a whole ton. I can give you my worst right off the bat, okay. so we can we can get that out of the way. Okay. Um, my absolute worst, which after the thought, when I started thinking about this a little bit more, the worst part of the entire series is the bad guy plot. Okay. And so <clears throat> it starts a very, very long time ago where an architect decides to make a special watchtower that has a special feature when you plug a magical sword into the keyhole, an aqueduct opens up and the water comes out. The bad guy in the in uh, Sauron knew about this feature, um, but for whatever reason, he doesn't have the key. We don't know why the key ends up in the barn the way it does, but regardless <laughs> of this important point, he decides to make his orcs dig a hole or trench miles and miles long to Mount Doom and connects it to this watchtower. And so at some point, he, he's going to find that key, put it in the keyhole, and the water from the aqueduct will flow through the channel uh, to Mount Doom, and the water will cause the mountain to erupt. Uh, you know, he he couldn't have just dug a tunnel to like a nearby river or an ocean. He had to go to the aqueduct, which makes the key a super important plot point. Which, when you think about it, it, it didn't have to be because there's many other sources of water in Middle Earth. Um, and so, anyways, this the ash from the volcano will create an endless darkness over the land, which I guess is perfect conditions for growing orcs. So it's this long, convoluted. You know, when you think about what what is the villain trying to do? That that was his plan. And so, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense, and it's I think it's lazy writing, and, and that was my worst of the show. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a couple examples of laser writing, and I'm glad you, you you brought up the volcano because I've got some thoughts here. Because you're exactly right. This is one of the, the the infuriating things that when you started watching the show, you didn't know what the relevance of the sword was, mm -hmm. right? You're kind of going with it. Oh, like oh, is this going to be like the sword in the, the Fellowship of the Ring, where it's broken at the beginning and then it gets reforged in right. uh, the Return of the King, and Aragorn uses it, and then it, it as turned a... into like the ring because it had power, right. but it would had like a kind of twisting power, where right? Is it, it kind of had an evilness to it right so <laughs> they expect you to believe that adar the elf king of the orcs uh-huh didn't know where, right the, this sword is, is key to his plan and he starts building this huge tunnel before he has the sword <laughs> like what happens when you build the tunnel and you don't have the sword and, then when you, <laughs> and like well, this is your plan and then also right you have the the black elf he, he sees it like wouldn't he know what he won't know what to do with it. He's been watching over this place for two hundred years. Yeah, right. He doesn't know that this is the the thing. Literally, to open up. he lived at the watchtower for hundreds of years. <laughs> yeah, and then for all of a sudden, he's like, he doesn't know what this does. And it's such a stupid plot device. Stick on the um, the volcano. Yeah, for a minute yeah, because you you mentioned lazy writing, and this is one one example of lazy writing because I'm sure one of the most Google questions after episode six when the volcano erupts and becomes mount doom after mm -hmm. the water rushes into it is how do volcanoes erupt i'm pretty sure that's the question <laughs> yeah so the washington post they pulled mike krasinski a geochemist at washington university in st louis wow and they and they asked um whether underground magma could rapidly vaporize water and allow the pressure to slowly build that would cause 
an eruption like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he says, adding surface water to lava to a lava lake would create steam, but it would not create the pressure necessary for an explosive eruption. Hmm. He also said that Mount Doom could never physically exist on Earth because no rocks are strong enough to hold such a massive cavern. All right, I'm going to go on just a little bit because I think this is important here, okay? Okay, okay. So, arguably the most important scientific question of the scene is, could such a a volcanic explosion actually transform the plush lands of the Southlands into the barren lands where Sauron eventually lives? Probably not. To obtain Mordor's barren volcanic lands, you would probably need to cover a lot of the area with lava. But that probably wouldn't be created by a volcano volcano that looks like Mount Doom. Mount Doom appears to be an arc volcano, an explosive ash producer with thick lava that does not flow far. Of course, Krasinski says he's, quote, getting into a lot of speculation, end quote, on Mordor creation theories. <laughs> but in a way, it's the curse of knowing too much about geology while watching fantasy shows. Quote, when you're a geologist you know what to expect, end quote. He said, quote, you know how those things were created, end quote. Huh. So I just have a question (laughs) for the the Rings of Power writers. Do you not have access to the internet? (laughs) Because it's not like this information is hidden. (laughs) It's not like they couldn't just know how volcanoes work. Right. It's, yeah, right. exactly. It's not, <laughs> and so it, it doesn't make any sense. And so there's other examples of lazy writing, which we'll get into. But so, the fandom, for what it's worth, I did come across something also, but this was on the Wikipedia page. Okay. For, for Rings of Power. And there was a little link. Um, they're, they're doing, they, they give like little synopses of, of each of the episodes. Yeah. And the one in six says that Theo realizes the sword, the broken sword they recover from Adar is a decoy. Waldreg has the real sword and plants it into a mechanism that opens a nearby dam. The water rushes through the ore tunnels towards Oro Druin and clashes with magma, resulting in a freotamagmatic eruption and pyroclastic flow that approaches the village. Okay. All right. And you, there's a little link on Freo magmatic eruption so if i click on that in wikipedia okay (laughs) it says that those kinds of eruptions are volcanic eruptions resulting from the interaction between magma and water they differ from exclusively magmatic eruptions and phreatic eruptions unlike phreatic eruptions the products of frail magmatic eruptions contain juvenile magmatic clasts it's common for a large explosive eruption to have magmatic and magmatic components so uh, it doesn't i haven't read much more into it than that but it's funny you bring it up i did notice that but uh, of course it might just be you know um this might be talking about those ones that form under the sea yes and then a crack opens and all the water dumps in you know obviously there's not nearly that much water in the show so yep yeah I, i i'm with you though the science here doesn't seem it doesn't seem 100% sound. For yeah, the Rings of Power... I just question whether the Rings of Power writers are science deniers. That's all. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you mentioned your worst. I'm going to mention my worst, too, right, right now. And maybe this is a jumping-off point into a situation. And that it would be uh, Gandalf's theme. Ooh. 
I really hated it. I really, I think the soundtrack in general is just not as memorable as Howard Shore's soundtrack for the original trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just got so annoyed whenever I had to hear that same tune over and over with only a little bit of variation, and it got kind of annoying. And to me, the only thing worse than that little tune is Gandalf's homeless dude outfit. <laughs> oh, man. Which is like, can, can he wear something other than that? That just bothered me every time I see him because he just looks like a homeless dude. I know that's part of the look, but it's like, get get him something else, please. At what point did you know that he was Gandalf? <sighs> what was your take? Because I'll, I'll go into my take on that. So you're watching it. Did you know the identities of of Heim... Or... Hellbrand. That's right. So there's Hellbrand and then there's uh, the Stranger. As you were watching it, and this yeah. was kind of spoiled for me ahead of time in terms mm-hmm. of fan theories, what before I had finished the show, oh, what no. were well, I'll kind of go into that in just a minute. But yeah. what what was your reaction watching the show fresh, watching both of those characters and how they developed through the show? So I I think I had my suspicions that uh, the the stranger was Sauron. From the first time we see the asteroid come in. Okay. Because we know that he exists. We don't know how he shows up. So when there's a crater and he seems like he possesses a lot of power and seems um, uh, maybe a little bit evil at some times, you kind of suspect it. But then the fact that he's, he's interacting and is being raised by ancient hobbits kind of makes you think okay this definitely cannot be sauron that makes no sense right that they're teaching him to be good and yet somehow we're to believe that he ends up being this very evil dark lord sauron right right not buying it and so especially when you kind of when he's when he becomes a little bit more normal starts putting clothes on starts walking around you see he's the tall figure. He's got the bony nose. He's got the shaggy look. He's talking about, the, like, smelling things and, like, going where it smells good and stuff. Yeah. yeah. He's learning how to talk. And you realize, glad you're also in this film. You realize Elrond is in the film. You, you're getting all of the key characters, but are we missing anybody? Gandalf. Gandalf is not in here. So I kind of knew early on it was Gandalf. And when they tried to do that little twisteroo where, is it Sauron? I was like. No, <laughs> they, they really tried to sell the audience on it. And I was like, I, th- how? I, I guess. <laughs> so for me, when that part, when the, at the beginning of episode eight, they have uh-huh. a big reveal where the stranger is Sauron because like the, the white witches say that. <laughs> right, and and talk about adding something to Tolkien's universe. That did, that seemed right. like it came out of something else. Well, and, and <laughs> Not Middle it, Earth. It's like who, and, and this is the thing that kind of frustrated me, especially about that sequence, which is um, so who are they? What are they doing? Why do they think he's he's Sauron? That was never explained, and it was super weird. Yeah. So when it happened in the forest, and they said, "We bow to you, Lord Sauron," um, <laughs> I was like, "This doesn't make any sense narratively." But I guess we're, I'm just gonna go with it because this is what they're telling me. Because because honestly, it makes no sense. It, it only is there to confuse the audience. Yeah. And and if you think about like, why are these white witches wrong? Like, what are they even doing? Follow, and so it just seems so manufactured yeah. to have some sort of an action climax for Nori's story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, two thumbs down for that reveal <laughs> because, I, like I said, I was going to go with it, and, and like, it, like there was already theories that were saying, okay, this is obviously Gandalf. So I was going, okay, this is Gandalf, and mm-hmm. then it, then they were told it's Sauron. Okay, well, if we're told it's Sauron, I guess it's Sauron. <laughs> 
I, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. I, I thought that was Just so the riders. <laughs> the other thing is like, I, I guess I, I wasn't sure how to expect Gandalf's birth either. Right? That seems a little random. Like, I guess I've never thought about it, but that's not something I ever cared to know. Right. You know what I mean? In, instead, we're treated to the worst origin story yeah, ever. It's bad. And if you don't believe me, I want you to do a thought experiment, okay? Mm-hmm. So for all the listeners, and, and you can be the judge, Seth, because you're standing right here, sitting right here. <laughs> um, if we took, because there's almost no connectivity between the Harfit story to the rest of the, the plot. Yeah. The only connective thing is there's some, some of the asteroids from Mount Doom, like, destroyed some of the trees in the Harfoots. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're place. right. That was it. Okay, so it's like a, an hour and a half or an hour and 45 minutes of the Harfoots immigrating with Gandalf. If that was, if, you, if this was like Gandalf the origin story, you know, Gandalf Begins, that is the worst movie ever. Like, people would be, like, climbing into the into the seats of the theater at the popcorn ready. Let's, let's watch Gandalf's origin story. And we got this terrible. Who, whatever writer <laughs> thought this was a good idea, and, and this is the classic... There's more. There's more exciting plot lines going on, and some right when you have these shows where you have uh-huh. like different, different plot threads. Mm-hmm. This is the plot line that everyone hates, and it's terrible and should have been cut or made yeah. vastly different. Yeah, and I hate it. I hate that entire sequence. Not because. What? Go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah. So, what I really thought was gonna happen, and what they should have tried to incorporate somehow is, in. The Hobbit mostly we see that Gandalf and Gladriel have a pretty long history. They kind of allude to it a little bit. Um, He calls her my lady all the time. They're obviously very close friends. So, look, if Rings of Power, it's obviously, you know, they want to do another series. It's obvious, you know. They they didn't spend all that money just to do one series and be done with it. Right. So I'm sure they're going to connect Gandalf to the rest of the plot eventually. But why didn't you do it this time? You know, like, to your point... This is the only thread that doesn't come full circle and connect with the others. They could have done it. They could have had Gandalf kind of... They, they, they could have had Gandalf and Nori step away from the Hobbit people three episodes, you know, into the migration. Right. And then, you know, then run across, you know, the, the other adventurers and, and, and Galadriel as they're fighting the orcs. Right. And then that takes off and it all... Everything comes full circle. Right. And instead... Instead, we get an hour and a half of teaching Gandalf how to talk. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Nori saying some very, very long goodbyes to some characters that I was not invested in. That's I right. Did not care about. No, no. <clears throat> More lazy watching on my part. Right. In, in those parts. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So moving over to, um, to Hellbrand. <clears throat> oh, yes, what, what, what did you think about him throughout this show? Because this is once again a character who I people had I had already heard that like oh this is Sauron right from the very first episode really that, yes and, and there's a couple of um, reasons for that um, because he mentions that he's a uh, like a blacksmith um, and in the Tolkien lore Sauron is a blacksmith well now like like he's a craftsman okay um, and so so there are these ties to extra you know to the Tolkien material that people just piece together watching the one episode when they're adrift okay that this is Sauron okay that, and, I guess that makes sense if you if you knew that, um, and so for me, 
having this knowledge of people saying, hey, this is obviously Sauron. I'm kind of watching the show with, you know, one ear open for him to be Sauron. And to me, the reveal makes no sense. It makes no sense. And and, and, it, and the problem is twofold. But it's really just Gladriel. And the problem is... <laughs> the problem is <laughs> because Gladriel... It's a woman's fault. <laughs> no, well, Galadriel spends so much time propping him up as a leader and as the king of the Southlands when That's she should true. have known that there's no king of the Southlands, right? <laughs> she's, she's been in Middle Earth for a millennia, and she has no clue about she right. She needs um, a Vulcan uh, elf to go <laughs> go to the library to tell her the truth, and it's, it's like you're the villain here, and I'll get into her being more the villain in this story, but. It was like, so if if you have to have so many things go Sauron's way for Sauron to even get where he is, mm-hmm. and he's not, he's not even, like, manipulating people, like, he just, he's, like, just being moved by Galadriel <laughs> the entire time, and, and so... And she's like, hunting him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I know some some person is going to say, well, you know, he planned this whole thing. No. <laughs> no, he didn't. He could not have predicted how much of a doofus Galadriel was going to be. Uh, I, I So as a watcher who did not have my ears open about him possibly being Sauron, I thought, oh, okay, this is the obvious ancestor to Aragorn because he looks like Aragorn. Yeah, again, and, 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 and he's yeah, a king, right? It's a, it's a discount um, Vigo Morganson, right? Exactly, exactly. So that's what I thought they were leaning into the whole time. It's the it's the reluctant king returning to the, right? Right. As soon as the Southlands turned out to be Mordor, so he's the king of Mordor, that's when I started questioning, okay, how far is this king of the Southland thing going to go? <laughs> and as soon as he showed up in that workshop when they started making rings... All I could think was, but there was another ring that was, you know, right. created in secret. I'm like, oh, he's Sauron. What right. the heck? And I didn't have that foresight that you had watching the entire series, seeing how Gladriel would push him all the way through. So thinking back on it, you're absolutely right. That makes no sense. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and it's one of those things where, right, the writers are trying to be clever. They're trying to set stuff up. And, and I respect that. I, I appreciate them trying to be <laughs> cheeky. Do you? <laughs> no, no, I don't. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> but that was just an example of, um, no, I'm sorry. This is not good writing. This is terrible writing. It's, it's awful. Yeah. Um, you're, yeah. You're not being clever. You're not being smart. You're you're just trying to trick us in the worst ways, sort of like they did it in Lost, where they strung people along and then they try to tie things up, hoping that you never look back about the trail that you took here mm-hmm. to see that it was entirely just manufactured by a okay. writer. It's you know Deus yeah. Ex Machina, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's the it's the writer god from the sky moving <laughs> people around. Um, yeah. Yeah, so 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 Gladriel being the villain, get get more into the, what, what what do you mean by that? I love that CGI shot of her at the very beginning. By the way, well, on the climbing mountain? climbing the ice mountain that looked really fake. It, it was the fakest thing, and the rest of the movie by comparison looked very good. Yeah, and so some people ripped on the CGI and the sets, and they said oh, it looks so fake for a five hundred million dollar show. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I noticed 
there were some some set extensions that I picked up on that yep. doesn't look too real. There's some there was some compositing that I noticed in one scene that I didn't think would look that great. Mm-hmm. And there was also the water simulation for the creation of Mordor. It was a little yeah. Eh. Really good looking show though. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I did I liked yeah, I liked the landscapes. They were sometimes when you get a little bit too big you kind of see that CGI a little bit come out a little bit when you get a little bit too grand. And, you know, the original Lord of the Rings had that right balance where they kind of blended that, you know. And I think a lot of it was shot in miniatures. So yeah, it, it looked very real. So. Right. Anyway, sorry. Back to... So Galadriel as the main character, um, she's she's really insufferable, in my opinion, right? She's, she's angry and she's violent a lot of the time. Like, there's this one scene where Elendil... Right, he's the the friend of the elves. Um, is on Numenor, and Galadriel's thinking about taking a ship back to Middle Earth, and she says, "I wouldn't do that if I were you." And then she immediately just grabs a knife and put it up to his, his, his throat. <laughs> like, what are you? <laughs> you're, you're not even a person. You're, you're not. You're not. You're not a man. You're not a woman. You're this like rage monster elf thing. Yeah. Especially with the queen of Numenor. Yeah. In in that when they first meet in front of everybody. And she's just, like, making demands and threatening her power, yeah. like, in front of everybody. It's like, whoa. Yeah, and, and so... And Sauron is the good guy being like, <laughs> calm down a little bit. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. Yeah, yeah. and and so I, I know they want this, you know, boss, fill-in-the-blank character who's, you know, doesn't take anything from anybody and tells men how it is, but she's just so unsufferable. Like, you would you would want not want to hang around this person at all. <laughs> she constantly... Right, like I said, angry and demanding, and just has no foresight. Right, she she recruits the villain, yeah, <laughs> of, of the show. And this is so. Also, I was like track trying to track for a character arc for her, uh-huh. because right, she's raging at Sauron and the enemy, as she calls them, right, the uh-huh. orcs, and she just wants to wipe them from the face of the planet. She doesn't want to understand them. She just wants to destroy them. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's fine. Um, that's a good starting point. Yeah. And you think that maybe she's going to have a, a calming effect, because in the in the beginning of the show, the, like the elf lord is like, I sent her away because the very breath that could blow out a fire might actually contribute to its spread, <laughs> right? <laughs> Did you really say that? Yeah, it was, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a paraphrase, but it's very close. We can look it up. That's fun. Um, and that's actually exactly what happens, yeah. right? <laughs> right? She causes uh. the, the, the the dark stuff, and so it looks like she's gonna have a character arc where she she's less angry. Um, but remember, she keeps um, Sauron from killing Adar, mm-hmm. and then in the next scene, Adar has to keep her from killing. Uh, yeah, keep her from killing Adar. Uh, Sauron has to keep Galadriel from killing Adar, right? In the stable. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And it's like. She has learned nothing. She's just this rage-driven elf, and she has no character arc that I can see watching this. Like mm-hmm. she's not any different, except that she just makes all the wrong decisions from the start of the show to the end of the show. And I, I just, like I said, most of all insufferable, and you cannot have that as a main protagonist. Yeah, I think hopefully they were looking at it more in the long course of whatever this show turns out to be once they do more seasons because obviously in the, from the movies Gladriel she seasons out a little bit and <laughs> maybe becomes a little bit less of a rage monster so you know I'm sure the experiences in this season you know in these episodes 
are going to contribute to that where she's going to mellow out a little bit. Um, but yeah, there, there's no arc here. It's she's she starts as a rage monster and she ends as a rage monster. And yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. I'm just going to rag on Elijah Roll for just a couple minutes more, and All then right, we can switch gears. <laughs> right. So you have a scene where she's like trying to track down Sauron in the very beginning, and they're in the ice castle and stuff. Yeah. And right because she's such a um, a boss lady, she destroys the the troll that the ice troll that destroys the rest of the elves right the elves are no match for the troll and she destroys them okay whatever i'm not sure if they're trying to make a feminist play or what they're trying to do uh-huh. i don't care uh, uh, truly it's then then they all lay down their swords and they say we're not going with you mm-hmm. if she can take down a troll why does she even need them i was expecting her just to keep going off on her journey it didn't make any sense why she would go back with them if she thinks her mission is so important and the the worst part okay so i've reconciled with galadriel <laughs> until the very end okay so they're they're making the rings of power which honestly look like something that is comes out of a gumball machine at walmart <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so they, they're crafting the rings of power and uh sauron com- comes walking out and he says uh, we figured out that we it, we don't we can't make a crown. It has to be something small and round, and and we'll have to make two of them. And she's holding the you know the goods like the, I got you paper. It's like, it's like the email that she hacked off his server saying that <laughs> <laughs> he, he's actually an abuser. Okay, so <laughs> she's like, tell me your true name. It's like I've had many names. Okay, <laughs> so they have this encounter and. You had the last temptation of Gladriel happen throughout the flashbacks with her brother and on the raft and things like that. Yeah. So then she storms. So then he leaves because he doesn't kill her because Elrond finds her and rescues her. Maybe. Probably not. Elrond probably doesn't rescue her. She rescues herself. Pulls her from the water. Yeah. Whatever. So then she goes back to uh, Celebrimborn and Elrond and you would think that she would say, Stop. Don't make these rings. This is what Sauron wants to do. You know how I know? Because I just met him. But instead they're like, where is Hellbrand? Don't ask me where he is or what happened. Just don't listen to him. And we need to make the rings of power. (laughs) What is... This is... And that's when I lost my mind. There's no reason not to tell these guys, except that you look like the most selfish person not wanting to admit that you made this terrible, horrible mistake by letting him into... <laughs> the the elven smith to make this terrible weapon. <laughs> Je- <sighs> oh, just so bad, so bad. Her character, everything <laughs> about it, and if the characters want, the characters, did ev- the writers did everything they could to make me dislike that character. Oh my goodness! Wow. Well, uh, I gotta say, I wasn't sure what went on with the with the with the rings, and I didn't understand why what exactly the elves were going to do with the rings you, you know um so they had a tree that was sick right and then like the mithril cures that right so instead of taking the mithril and just slapping it on the tree and fixing the tree they had to make rings of it or something like that right. I, I was very confused about that yeah so i i think everyone was pretty confused about <laughs> okay. because right in the there's no such tree cancer in Tolkien's work. 
I did, did, did a little research. Okay, so okay. That, that comes as a surprise to you. But <laughs> so uh, apparently they made they were crafting these rings of power, and it took ninety years to craft the elven rings. That makes more sense. Yeah, and they made it in ninety minutes in this show, and it's and you you I would expect that the crafting of the rings of power would take place in more than just like a montage mm-hmm. and it just seems like it just cheapened the whole thing they just they rushed through it at the, at the end of the last episode yeah so that people would be excited for the next season because it was a very unsatisfying finale yeah what about the nine rings that went to the men so i think in the tolkien lore what happens is sauron crafts those and he goes to the leaders of men and gives it all to them and i think he gives he also gives the dwarves their rings as well but their will p- proves too strong to be corrupted like the men are okay how they're gonna do it in this show, I don't know. So we only, so we truly only did see the elves get their rings. Yeah, yeah. Because I think so. because in Lord of the Rings, I I got the impression that all of the rings were crafted all at once and they distributed it evenly, like at like a council or something like that. I, I what it seemed like to me. Yeah, I I think that Peter Jackson told that for concise storytelling for that montage at the very beginning of the movie to set it up. Yeah. But I think because I did a little bit of research online, uh-huh. uh huh, and that's. The, the the rings were crafted separately from one another. Interesting. Okay. So anyway, to to wrap up uh, the, the Gladriel thing, I actually have a fat award for this show. Um, again, some listeners know that we have we have the insider scoop on some awards that these shows are getting, right? And this one might be up for some Emmys, right? Um, yeah, it could be. Actually, this show, I couldn't find any awards that it's under, but it is actually under fire. Like some really intense fire, because <clears throat> and the director, there are multiple directors, but you know some of the directors are being forced to issue an apology after accusations of racism uh, for the Rings of Power depictions of elves, which reinforces the negative stereotype about elves being cold-hearted and manipulative creatures who only care about themselves. So, uh. yeah. anyways, no awards. <laughs> Only support from the yeah, media. Yeah. Can't make them happy. All right. So <laughs> since we're on the racist depiction of elves, this show was under a lot of fire from just the, the fans, right? <laughs> from, the, from the fans, not not the the woke critics, but the fans who were decrying some of the the ethnicity of some of the actors involved. Okay. Um I personally don't care except to say this. That The Lord of the Rings is like... A, it's a European uh, fairy tale. It's a yeah. fantasy world, right? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. Tolkien, and there's a lot of World War One, World War Two references in the uh, the book that kind of come out if you're, if you're paying attention. And I'm sure yeah. you can find studies that really dive in, into the themes. Mm-hmm. And, right, Tolkien, I think he served in World War One and obviously wrote these during World War Two. Mm-hmm. So... Um, and I, 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 I know I can see the argument that says, "Hey, look, we don't want to cast. Uh, we want to cast mostly white European actors or Western actors for these roles because this is what they would have been when Tolkien was imagining this piece. Just like you know, when the fictional world of Wakanda comes out, most of them would be like African American, right? Right, and that's true, right?" They are all African-American right. in Wakanda. Oh, African. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> African, right, not African. Right. They all speak really great English, so I, <laughs> right. I'm confused. Um, and then you'll, you think about uh, Tallow 
in uh, Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. They're all Asian. And so you have all these, and, and, and so right there are fairy tales about, you know, the Middle East as well, you know, Aladdin or other things like that. And I, I don't think it would be great to, to, like, write those stories and cast whoever you want. I think that the proper re- respect is to probably cast actors as much as you can within that culture, as best you can, right, to mm-hmm. kind of make sense. I think the issue is, and what people had, is it was just a complete hodgepodge of ethnicities thrown into Middle Earth from elves and dwarves and people that it didn't make sense. And I'll get into that a little bit. But I want to I quote some, some people here from the show. Okay. So this is from Variety. <clears throat> and this is an interview with some of the uh, African-American actors. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to go through the whole thing because there's quite a bit. But speaking of which, the inclusion of people of color in the cast of Rings of Power sparked racist backlash online. Hmm. By the way... I, I am sure there are some racist trolls online. I haven't seen a single racist thing that has been sent out, though. And that's part of the issue. Is, yeah, same. Like, just show me the racist comments and DMs that you're getting, and I would love to help you fight against that and, like, defend you against that. But I have a feeling that some of the, some of the racist things, quote-unquote, that they're getting is, I don't like your performance. And then they just say, well, you don't like it because I'm a black man or I'm mixed race or yeah. a black woman. Yeah. And, or, and, and we can't even <clears throat> tell because they won't, you know. Or maybe something that. is, yeah, maybe something even as coarse as just, I don't want to see black people in Rings of Power, you know, because they're all supposed to be white. Or, you know, right? something like even something that's as coarse as that doesn't mean they're racist. Yeah, but I, I would even <laughs> like to see that comment. Right. Even uh, so. Yeah, right. Exactly. Anyway, all right. So a few weeks, this back to the interview. The interviewer says, a few weeks a few weeks later, do you feel the conversation about this aspect has subsided a bit? And so Cruz, he's the actor who plays the Black Elf, says, the fact that the attention has shifted toward that show. Sorry. The fact that the attention has shifted towards that, the racist elements, mm-hmm. shows you the power of shows like this. The fact that it hit a nerve and that our being in it created such a response it just brings attention to the greatness of fantasy, the greatness of Lord of the Rings, and why it's actually good that we're here. Uh, did it become a bit too much? Absolutely. It's taken airtime from the depth of who we are as artists. But it just shows you where we are in the world and how much work we still have to do. Hmm. Um. And, and that's, I think, part of it. When you see Amazon take over and you have people re- have real concern about how they're going to adapt Tolkien. And when I think when you when you cast a bunch of these multiracial characters in these roles, um, that, I think, can gaslight people a little bit um, in terms of just setting people up to get angry. Yeah. Now, should you get angry? Not necessarily. If the, and I think that part of part of that is a it camouflages some of the criticism that gets leveled at the show mm-hmm. because all of a sudden the creators of the show can say, well, you're not criticizing the show on its merits, you're just criticizing it because you're racist, right? right? And so that's kind of the risk I think that you can run by trying to gaslight the fan base with this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so this is a Adobe Robinson. I don't. I've made, I think maybe she's the uh, dwarf princess. And she says a bunch of stuff. I'm just going to skip to what I highlighted here. It has put us in a position where there will be a plaque one day where the pendulum has swung to where it needs to be. We will have badges upon the people who fought the great fight in order to get to the point where there isn't such an eruption based solely on that when a casting announcement comes. Skipping ahead. It's been really important and empowering. Tears have been shed. Blood has been spilled. 
metaphorically, but we are here. <laughs> um, and then I found another article about the from the Hollywood Reporter, and they were talking to showrunner J.D. Payne about the uh, the racist backlash. I'm using quotes because, like I said, I still have not seen any racist comments yet. Yeah, I've yeah. just seen some people who say, "Hey, look, th- it, there's that the the casting the 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 biracial casting only goes in one direction, right? You mm-hmm. cannot cast white people in Wakanda. You cannot pass white white people in Tallow, but you can cast people in Lord of the Rings, mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? That's that's the the conversation that people were having, right? Right. And we've had that conversation so Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, but I, I'm going to read through this and I'm going to highlight where we have just crossed the line and been a little bit too ridiculous. And so, yeah, yeah. so he says the backlash is, quote, patently evil, end quote, and goes against the spirit of J.R.R. Tolkien. And he says the spirit of Tolkien, in case you're wondering what the spirit is, um, <laughs> is about desperate people, disparate peoples who don't trust one another and look different from one another, finding common ground in friendship and accomplishing big things. Mm-hmm. That's the spirit we've tried to uh, inculcate into every single comma and period in the show. Okay. And so he goes on and says, I don't see how people who are saying these things think they're fighting for good. There's a line in episode seven where Galadriel says every war is fought from without and within. Even if you're fighting for something you think is good, if you're doing something worse in that fight, then you become evil. Gladriel is evil, by the way. <laughs> but but I, just as a sidebar, I hate it when, when creators reference their own work as if it's this, they're quoting the Bible. <laughs> um, I don't I don't I don't know that the the race of of the actors in this movie really affected it that much. I I, I it didn't it didn't take away from that that Middle Earth feeling. You know they there were some other things I would say that maybe maybe made it feel a little less like Middle Earth. I don't did they shoot anything in New Zealand? I'm not sure because it didn't feel like it. If they did, it didn't feel like it. You know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of the CGI sets maybe lent to that mm-hmm. um, certainly there was stuff in the southlands that looked a little bit like new new zealand but it kind of felt like that could have been filmed anywhere yeah 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 so that i would say made it feel a little bit less like middle earth than the color of the actors right um, yeah and, and i agree and in my opinion the pendulum only swings one way right you only get one not, thing not even but that just doesn't make sense well I, you know well, here, here's a good instance. I, I wasn't a big fan of the actor who played Elrond. Okay. He didn't look anything like Elrond. Well, not he, like Hugo Weaving, no. Like, like what's going to happen? Is he going to get his face smashed in to make it <laughs> look like that? You know what I mean? Yeah. He, he had, like, a, a sharper, pointier nose, more distinct facial features. That, yeah. What is it? Is his name Hugo, you said? Hugo Weaving, yeah. Hugo in, Weaving? In, in, well, he's in The Matrix and right. Lord of the Rings. So has a longer, job. like, rounder facial features. Yeah. Just looks completely different. Right. So when they said, oh, this is Elrond, I was like, Mm. Okay, and I think, (laughs) and no offense to this actor, um, he just he doesn't look beautiful. Like you think of like Orlando Bloom. Well, not as Hugo. No, but (laughs) but Hugo plays like an older, wiser Elrond, and he's supposed to be like a younger version. And he just doesn't he doesn't look like he's a a a model like Orlando Bloom looks like a model as a younger elf. That's true. That's that's all I'm trying to say. I'm not saying this guy looks ugly. I'm just saying if you think of like elves being really fair looking, he just he didn't fit that with Elrond. That, Don't even all. get me started on the Elven King. Oh my goodness. <laughs> he looked like he was a couch potato. <laughs> eats cheese curds all day. My goodness. 
Has anyone more looking <laughs> should yeah. take that place? If we have this picture that elves are fair looking, yeah. and like Gladril, uh -huh. both both the actress who plays young Gladril and in Peter Jackson, you know, Kate Blanchett, yeah. you know, very beautiful people. Yeah. I'm not trying to take that away from them. Um, it just, some of the elves just looked like you could have picked them up off the street somewhere in Europe, you know, in, in London. Yeah. And, well, and the black actor's name who played, I'm sorry, what's the fat elf's name? I do not know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Something. <laughs> He's, he definitely has the face he could be an elf. From his yeah, face, he's, yeah, he's, really he's a good-looking guy. Good -looking guy. Yeah. The, I think what is, might be off about him is his hair. Yeah, the elves like buzz cut military yeah, thing. Yeah. It's it's a buzz cut military thing. I didn't really think about it too much during the show, but now when you're you when you're nitpicking on the looks, yeah. all elves just have that long flowing silky hair. Yeah, and that's what he was missing. Yeah, yeah right. So. And, and he can't right just and, and right, biologically that's gonna be difficult for a black actor to have right and no, I think I think he's absolutely. and I think he's not I think he's half black and half uh, South American or something like that uh, that sounds can, correct yeah um, and so right this is the sort of thing that takes me out of the show a little bit not the racist not the racial component of mm -hmm. it but here's some of these issues so Nori's mom Nori's do you remember Nori's mom. Oh, yeah. She was a little bit of a, a darker woman, right? Right. Sarah Zawangibeni. I'm sorry if I butchered that name. I'm not trying to. Okay. <laughs> so she is African-American. She's from Australian. So Nori doesn't look biracial at all. No. But nope. her mother is black and her dad is clearly European. <laughs> like, and so, and so that takes me out of the show. It's like, how are you related? Are you like the stepmom or what's going on here? Okay. Uh -huh. Now. One relationship, that's fine. Let's keep going. Okay. So, um, Tyro Mafidian is plays Theo. Yep. And he's Australian, but he kind of looks Filipino to me. And obviously, Filipinos yep. are not far. Okay. Definitely, yep. His, the, the mother in the show, Nazarin Banadi. I'm, I'm sorry, like I say, I'm, I'm not trying to butcher anybody's name here. I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, okay. She is Iranian. Um, once again, they don't look like, sh I, I would struggle with, with the relationship here and that, and sorry, and, and that, that's regardless of the color of their skin, that's what takes me out of the viewing experience when I like, I can't figure out who's related to who, because you don't look like you're related, but you are. Yeah. All right. Let's keep, I, I, I suppose so. I, I guess I, with, with those two in particular, I was, they had chemistry. And so I, I actually didn't think about that. Okay. All right. I thought that I was sold. On that, just by the chemistry. Okay. They, right. they had that mother-son dynamic that I thought worked fine. Okay. All right. Well, let me keep going, though. <laughs> keep, keep Tell going. me if you buy this. Okay. So, Cynthia Adi Robinson. Yep. She plays uh, the Reach, the Queen Regent. Yep. Okay. Uh, she's definitely African-American. Yep. Um, her old white dad <laughs> is super white. <laughs> like, like, he's whiter than a piece of paper. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, like, how... I don't understand this. Like, it doesn't make sense uh, from... That he's that she's the daughter. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep let's keep moving yeah. on. I'm on this I'm on this roll here. <laughs> and, and then I'll get to my point. Okay. So Emma Harvath discount Emma Watson as Isildur's sister. So she is also whiter than a piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, she I mean, honestly she looks more like a soap model than a Middle Earth maiden. Soap models I, look really nice. I'm not I'm nothing against soap models, yeah. but you have a lot of those characters who look more like they haven't taken a bath in a couple of days because showers are not as ready as readable <laughs> as they are here. Right. Um, so uh, Isildur, 
is played by uh, Maxim Baldi, who's like part English, part Russian, but he was okay. super tanned though. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah, like which is right for because he was on the sailboat. Sure, to start, so, so he has, yeah, I was he has willing some tanning to, going. to buy that, but they also didn't look like siblings at all. And these types of things make me think that they put more effort into diversity casting than actually trying to make these people make sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is ultimately yeah. the problem. And right, I don't have a problem with the color of their skin. Right, I'm not. I'm not one of the trolls going. You can't be this. But if you're going to have Nori's mom be black, make Nori biracial. Like how hard? How hard is that to do? I like. The, I like the actress who plays Nori. I think she's 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 just fine. But it doesn't make any sense. Listen, listen. At a certain point, because I had to suspend my belief to watch this show in the beginning, because it's about magic yeah. and there's orcs and there's elves and stuff like that. You got to throw all that out. At a certain point. And that's probably what they did. That's probably what they did. They were just like, ah! <laughs> it's a fantasy world, you know? And and truly, if you're not looking at skin color, it's kind of like you can't... There's no there's no biological, like... there's Like, race isn't a thing in Middle Earth except for elves, men, dwarves, you know, and, and the different people's cultures, I guess, you know? Yeah. So, so as far as skin color goes... From the writer's perspective, they just say inside of those species of creatures inside of Middle Earth, skin color is just whatever. It's random. It's a, it's a dice roll. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. It, and and it, maybe so. Why don't I bring out my best of the show? Because I feel like we've been trashing on the show a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And at the beginning, I said it was a lot more enjoyable than just bad. Yeah, so let's let's take a break from bashing it <laughs> and talk about some good stuff before I go back and bash it again a little bit more. Because <laughs> I'm not done, baby. All right, some, some fun that I really had with the show are words that make Tolkien nuts go cray-cray. All right. <laughs> Words and I and I just off the top of my head I found four okay. that maybe just kind of excited when they introduced something into the show right yeah. so the first one was Mithril right <laughs> I was like oh Mithril and you know it has importance we know that Mithril was uh, made the chainmail for Frodo yeah. yeah so I was like kind of curious like okay so obviously the elves get their hands on this stuff right, right? and so and obviously a lot more than just a little chink. Or I thought that that little chink was going to turn into the entire vest, mm-hmm. that they would like break it up or whatever and make the chainmail, and that was going to be it. Because at a certain point, that was going to be all the mithril that Middle Earth was going to have ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, anyways, that was kind of cool. Second one, of course, is Mordor. When it came, I was like, ah, oh, okay. You know, it, was, it wasn't anything crazy exciting, but uh, it was there. I was like, okay, okay. So the so the show's lining up now. Like, okay, we can we're finally seeing now where this is making its connection. Uh, third one, Durin, king under the mountain, right? Uh, and then fourth and final, that does make me excited to keep watching this show is Isildur, <laughs> <laughs> the screw up who messed up his friends, right? Yep. You're gonna screw up more than that, you time, buddy. <laughs> I, uh, I I saw a quote from one of the writers, and I didn't pull it, but it was basically like, we want to make a sealed door into be a tragic character like Michael Cor- Corleone from The Godfather, <laughs> which I thought was a really risky quote comparing yourself to The Godfather, but okay. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe you can make this work. Some heat. <laughs> but, 
Yeah, no, actually, I like to see his character. How, I don't know, yeah, tragic for sure. And then he shows up and almost gets killed, mm-hmm. running into a burning building and stuff like that. And uh, it's great because, you know, we thought that he was just a loser who was going to get stranded on his hometown and his friends were going to go have fun. But no, because his name was the Sealed Door, you knew, oh, he's going to find a way to be involved. Right. And that he did. But that's also the curse of the show that you know he's not going to die in that burning house, right? So his, his dad thinks he's dead. So I imagine one yeah. of the first shots in, <laughs> in episode two is his hand's going to like pop through the rubble. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And again, writers, we all know what you're pointing out here when you keep saying the name Isildur. So there's right. no point in trying to pretend like he dies because we all know he didn't. Right, But right. Um, no, I think they, for the most part, they did do a good job of um, using that as a little bait, you know, to keep the Lord of the Ring fans sitting around just Oh yeah, we know that name. Yep. Um, and then I couldn't remember what it what, what was it called the the magic globe. Oh yeah, I don't the know Palantir. The Palantir. Yeah. Did they actually yeah. say Palantir? In I, the, I'm not I don't sure know if they did. Yeah. But we saw a Palantir that probably makes its way over or gets lost. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, th- those little nuggets, Easter eggs, um, that connect the worlds. Th- those are. What makes it fun for Tolkien fans? Okay, yeah, and Middle Earth fans. Yeah, and that's what you have to do. You have to do that sort of stuff. Unless in a show like this, unless you're a cynical audience member <laughs> who goes, "You're relying solely on intertextuality to keep fans of the show while you butcher it with your awful writing." <laughs> right. That, that that's the cynical look at it. That's very cynical. Uh, oh yeah. my goodness. Because <laughs> all right. So so right. My, one of my biggest issues with the show, and this is this is my big issue with the show. Okay. All right. And is it's just filler. There's so much of it that's just so boring. Like I'll read you a little bit of something that this is this is from an Amazon analyst. An Amazon. Uh, so he was already concerned about the performance of the Lord of the Rings TV show, Rings of Power. But after he watched several episodes, he became even more worried about the billion-dollar project. Quote, we fell asleep during our first viewings of, the, of episode oh, one, no. three, and four, and have not watched episode five yet due to a combination of not enjoying the first four episodes and a busy schedule. Oh, no. Forte, an analyst at DA Davidson, wrote in a recent note to investors. And we can go on, on longer because he, they talk about the uh, viewership for the show. Okay. And I, I was never to the point where I was falling asleep watching it. I was most of the time looking forward to watching that show to see where it was. But mm-hmm. there's some points that just logged. Like, we already talked about the Harfoots journey. Yeah. But th- that entire plot in Numenor Oof. is so boring. Like, we spend, like, three or four episodes waiting for them to sail yeah. out. And we just get stuck there, like, literally doing nothing. Just like them. <laughs> yeah exactly and um it's it's just not great and there's that whole political backstory to Numenor where they all hate elves right there's this, there's like illegal uh immigration issue right they're all like saying the elves are gonna steal our jobs <laughs> it's like, this is so bad this is so bad it's like they, they, they thought a little bit too hard about it it's like how can we compete with elves who can stay up and never sleep <laughs> It's like this is this is what the writers were concerned about. <laughs> this is what they're really diving into. And then the the other plot that was really bad was the 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 Durin, the the Mithril plot because instead of like focusing on a more exciting plot, we had this 
dad relationship drama that's fitting for a Hallmark film, not for a <laughs> Tolkien story. It's like, ah, he won't let me do what I want. Yeah, son, I'm super proud of you. Thanks, Dad. I guess it's all better. And then, Dad, you're bad. Now you're cussed out, son. <laughs> and it's this ridiculous back and forth, and it dragged the show down. It didn't. It barely went anywhere and contributed to the show. And if I was to compare all of the action to this show, right? There's ten hours roughly of this mm-hmm. show, and there's ten hours of, of Peter Jackson's epic. Like, way more stuff happens in Peter Jackson's story than what happens in this stupid show. Like, there's one, there's a couple of fights, but you have this one grand fight that includes, like, 500 guys in the Southlands, and it's not that exciting, it's not very epic, and you wonder what they're even doing there to begin with. And then there's lots of stuff that happens in Peter Jackson's Mm -hmm. show, or, you know, his, his saga of movies. And it's, what am I even doing watching this show that slogs around for so long why would I even want to watch another season of this slog? And obviously people have different opinions and people are excited about season two. I, I, I just, it just pales in comparison, I think, to the work that Peter Jackson did in adapting those three books because mm-hmm. of how tight and how paced they are, even at three and a half hours uh, a movie. Right. Well, and here's something to your point, is that Peter Jackson was on a mission, right? You got to finish three books in three movies. You get three hours a movie. If you're lucky and you get an extended edition, then you get four, right? Right. And so the the pace of those movies, they have to move because you have to tell a story. Amazon has the luxury <clears throat> of having decades with this. They can have as long as they want to tell as long of a story as they want to try to make as much money as possible. Yep. Right? And so if they start this story and they move too fast then you're going to have to hire a whole new thing of writers right. way too quick. You know what I mean? And so, you know, it's a shame for the amount of time and effort that was spent on everything. Because it is uh, nine hours. It's over. Yeah, something like that. So it's three movies worth of content. Right, right. right? And, and work and, you know, and the countless number of artists and actors. Right. And directors, there was multiple directors for all of these, right. you know, that put their heart and soul into all this. Um, you know, you're absolutely right. Then you you would like to see something that tells more of a complete story mm-hmm. than just nine hours of getting from Galadriel's upbringing to oh Sauron's here. Mm-hmm. You know, right? It's, that it took nine hours to tell that story, right? So, to your point. And, and, and I'm going to just take a break from dumping on the show and talk about another Amazon show, The Wheel of Time, which we covered on the show previously. That had $80 million to its budget. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to th- let me find out what I said about The Wheel of Time. Um, so we didn't like it. No, I, 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 described, <laughs> I described The Wheel of Time as a c- cynical, depressing, soulless quagmire of pain oh. and suffering and despair. <laughs> And this show was not that. And I would no. rather watch this show way more than than The Wheel of Time. Mm-hmm. It, it, but it's just, it's sad to me that they dump $500 million at minimum into the production of this show. And it's not that good. I guess from from, from my point of view. Yeah. Is, is you have to factor in, if this was just some generic fantasy show with some generic IP, 
I, I would be like less harsh on it. Mm-hmm. And if it if it had like a more modest budget, I'd be less harsh on it too. But because I I think the, the money is well spent on the effects, but the writers' room clearly not so much. I, I don't think they they hired talented enough writers to tell this story. Yeah. Um, and, and some of that shows in in the audience score. I mean, you you, you can. You can ascribe some of the low audience score to trolls, mm-hmm. <clears throat> but you have to reconcile why the Woman King has like a ninety percent audience score on Rotten Tomatoes, and why this show has a thirty nine percent Rotten Tomatoes score. Mm-hmm. So you, so where are the racists talking? You know, hitting Woman King mm-hmm. on the audience score, because that's what you want to say. The the is the people who are bringing down Rings of Power. And I don't think that's fair. I think that there are just people who are dumping on Rings of Power because they genuinely don't like it and don't have any motivation other than yeah. they wanted to watch something good. Well, and what's the expectation for a woman king? You know, that's an original story, well, mostly. It's, it's, an, <laughs> it, I was, it's, it's based on a true story, but it's it's an original like plot line, right? There's nothing yeah. connecting it that sets the you know bar for a very high expectation right you're not you're like not gonna that. offend existing fans with no, the woman king no yeah, right. but i i feel like this was almost inevitable for the rings of power that people were gonna dump on it even if it was a better show i feel like you would get haters for it right except that i think the 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 hate's deserved because <laughs> and, and like honestly i, I wanted i, I want to like this show I, I i do i don't want to just hate the show mm-hmm. um because Amazon produced it, I, I rather, right? Because they they produce Terminal List, which we'll you know we'll talk about in a different episode, and I don't hate that. Yeah. Um, and I I just I'm just frustrated with the show. Yeah, with the writing. Yeah. You do get frustrated with bad writing a lot, and it, and that's a good thing to be frustrated with. Yeah. If anything, with with films. Yeah. Nathaniel, do you have a rating of an audience review? I do have an audience review. Um, and I actually have a couple. So, um, on in my social network mm-hmm. of friends, a lot of hate, a lot of vitriol, a lot of venom for Rings of Power. But this one guy posted on Facebook, and then I want to get to a professional review. Um, and he said, I'm going to skim some of it. I'll keep it short and simple. This is my friend. There are so many various opinions on the show, and they tend to be very loud. But I'll keep this civilized and respectful. Mm, nice of him. <laughs> Overall, I absolutely love this show. It got it, it became better and better with each episode. I was drawn into the story and grew with the characters. I love the multi-storylines that are woven together. The suspenseful moments were intense. The tender moments were heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, no politics or woke agendas. It was very traditional, leaning Mostly on the classic <laughs> on the classic tale of the ultimate battle of good versus evil. Yep. The, the villains were truly dark and twisted. The yes, heroes were yes, truly were. good and honorable yet flawed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like that's the right way to enjoy this show. That's yeah. how you have to find something from it. Is you you once you start dissecting it and thinking about it too much, the way we look at this, yeah, you know, it's gonna fall apart pretty quick. There, there, there's not much there. There's not much you know to, to the story, like sustenance wise, but. If you're gonna if you're gonna just sit back and enjoy it for what it is, there is enjoyment to be had. So I, I like the way that he looks at this, and I'm so glad that he can find enjoyment in a show like this. <laughs> uh, what, what what about you? What kind of review are you trotting out? Um, so I found ooh, I found one that I think Nathaniel, you would just be soulmates with this person. <laughs> Christo, Christoph on Rotten Tomatoes said, 
an insult to Tolkien and his storytelling. Galadriel is awful and makes the viewer despise her attitude from the first episode until the last. They managed to make me feel and root for the Orca much more than the other races. Sauron is a joke, just like the writing in general. <laughs> the only reason I'm giving one star is because some of visuals are nice. Very, very gracious of him. It is one star. Oh boy. And man. The true reason he could he can't give it uh, zero stars is because one star is the minimum on that side. Oh really? <laughs> actually don't know maybe it's half a star but i think it is half a star but <laughs> uh you said you had another one i do have another one because i i want to understand because i think there are the if you look at the critics rating it's 85 percent mm-hmm. i'm like there's no there's yeah and i think you have critics in fact i know some critics who have tried to separate their criticism from the criticism of the the right and, the, and the, the trolls on the right and the YouTubers, right? Oh, okay, okay. And they, they they specifically say, look, I don't like, I don't like the show because of the reasons they don't like the show. Mm. And they try, <laughs> so they try, they probably try to put some distance yeah. between them. Um, but I think a lot of reviewers are with Amazon and the show, and that it's too big to fail, and they're helping to prop it up. And this, so this is a review from news not and the reason I pulled this one is this is from Rotten Tomatoes. And mm-hmm. then also for the Terminal List, when we talk about this, I have the same site who reviewed the Terminal List that okay. I'm going to draw from the review. Cool. Okay, so they say, given that Amazon is looking at this show as their big content investment of the decade and have already sunk a billion dollars into buying the rights Ooh. and getting the first season out, it's still early but exciting days. There are things that season one gets right and there's stuff that has probably already made it back into the drawing board to someone who's on the fence about watching the series i'd recommend looking at it as the beginning of a long entertaining ride there's enough to make this above average make this an above average watch and then there's the spectacle value Mm, not much of a spectacle it's probably a blessing in disguise that the show has picked up all of this negative feedback so early on this journey because it can only get better on from here wow that's that's an optimist (sighs) well and and i think this so this is where i think a lot of critics are it can only get better from here and i think that's a lot of critics who are and this is a positive review on rotten tomatoes it was three stars yeah so they're giving they're saying it's positive but they're saying this is not as good as it could be and it can only get better right if i if i said if you made me uh a steak (laughs) <laughs> and I said it could only get better from here. <laughs> you wouldn't find. I don't think you'd find that very. Uh, no. Very reassuring. No, that means it was bad. <laughs> Anyways, Nathaniel, do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we didn't touch on every uh, nitpick that I had with the show because um, I do have a a few more and. Um, but I, I don't want to be that guy and that YouTube channel who goes through, you know, plot point by plot point, criticizing everything. There's a lot to criticize, mm. and and there's some good stuff. Um, a lot, a lot of other stuff that I'd love to talk about and dump on. But I think you get the general idea of of, of what our feelings about this show were. Yeah, and uh, hopefully this some of this has resonated with you. 
and you might be able to look at the show through a slightly different you know viewpoint now um yeah all right well nathaniel for the both of us yeah um i guess i guess for me as nathaniel and this is seth and this has been the fad dads welcome back to fad dads on this episode nathaniel and i return to start season two of the fad dads and we start with the newly released rings of power Absolutely. And in this episode, Seth and I vigorously debate whether Rings of Power is the next big fantasy show or whether it's the most expensive flop in history. And along with that, we play some amazing games, talk about our best and worst, and deliver lots of content. All this and more on this episode of The Fad Dads.